0: I'm Carrie Benedette and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalize you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specializing in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. So my guest on this episode of Thriving Matters podcast is a very well-known principal, internationally known and respected Gavin McCormack is currently the principal of the Farmhouse Montessori School here in uh, Sydney, Australia, up on the beautiful uh, North be- Northern Beaches area of Sydney around Balgala. And um, Gavin, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Hope you're all well.
1: Thank you, I am um, indeed a pleasure to be here too.
0: Look, uh, I know you're passionate about teaching and pedagogy, um, and the guests that we have on our Thriving Matters podcast are global leaders within their own right such as you but we also like to talk about how they thrive in their daily life and work now being an educator has huge demands on you because you are all things to all people in your in your community you are a leader you are a teacher and by looking at your CV I've also noticed that you're a bit of a builder a designer um, a volunteer as well as a fundraiser um, and, and the list goes on, but um, on the whole, I actually think you're a designer of curiosity and learning. That's where I, I went. So I may be way off here, but I think that's where your thriving um, gets its insurgent of um, energy and impetus. So what do you think? Am I way off the mark?
1: Well, it sounds like I have to rerun my CV you now. You've uh, you've redesigned who I am. I like that. That's good. <laughs> um, no, not. A, I, I think the one thing I'd take back from that is a builder. I'm not a builder. In fact, I'm the worst builder you've ever met. I can't even put a shelf up in my house without blowing the electrics. But w- what I am is I can, I can see what needs to happen. So I can, you know, see a, a piece of land in the Himalayas where a school would fit perfectly, and then I guess. The idea is in that sense is to rally the community to build their own uh, school so mm-hmm. i actually don't do any of the building i just sit the community down um, and say hello a school would look really good here and here's how it would work and and uh, who has uh, you know who has the skills to help me build this thing and you'll find someone in the village you know in rural carveray millions of miles from anywhere put their hand up and say look i'm actually a bricklayer i've done it for 20 years and i have lots of bricks in my garden okay well you can do the bricklaying, any carpenters, and someone will say, I'm a carpenter. <laughs> and before you know it, you've got all the skills there sitting in a village that to build a school, uh, and collectively they can do that. Um, but they just didn't, um, they didn't realize that everything was sitting right before them. And I guess that's, in a sense, what, I see my classrooms as you know we have all of these wonderful skills and attributes in a classroom however quite often we don't realize that they're even there Uh, and therefore once we know what we've got in front of us we can work miracles with that and uh, going back to the school thing what you find is you build a school with a community and then you leave and then when you've left they all come together and say hey um Maybe we don't need that guy to come again and tell us we can do these things. Why don't we just build another school? And then you go back and they built five schools, and there's a library, and oh, there's wow. a center. And you've empowered them to realize that actually everything is within them, they just need to collaborate. And the same again in the classroom, you know, mm-hmm. when a child goes, Well, oh, the teacher's busy, I need some help, but I do know that that little boy over there is a dinosaur expert. If I ask him, I don't need to ask a teacher anymore. And therefore, you
0: know, it's just mirroring,
1: mirroring what you do in the classroom, but doing it on a larger scale and with adults.
0: But, but what you're talking about is um, bringing a community together and they have the answers. That They, they have the answers to, and the, the ability, the capability, to to do the new creation to build the new creation or to build what they need yeah, so I think exactly. that's a lovely thing so look I'm going to take you right back so we've already t- we've already given our listeners a snapshot of you know you 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 love the Himalayas and you've you've done some major major work there um, but let's take you right back now you've got an English accent I can still hear it there right, um, yeah. you've lived across a number of continents so give us a bit of a um, a, a pot of um, where you've started, where you've traveled, sort of the the story of Gavin up to this point in time.
1: Okay, I won't talk too much of your time, so I'll take the whole podcast. The thing is, you know, my grandfather was a storyteller, professional storyteller, and I lived with him for quite a number of years. So,
0: you know, a good old yarn
1: is, uh, you know... It's in my uh, psyche so I could talk forever, but I'll just give you a quick summary then. Um, So born in England to a single mother, father left uh, before I was born. So just me and my mum, she... um uh struggled a bit you know to to make ends meet so i lived with my grandfather for a bit lovely man and he was a carpenter and uh while mum worked and he basically you know taught me how to be a lovely person and we walked around the streets all day talking and telling me stories probably most of them were made up but they were really entertaining and i learned a lot from him and then um I uh, had a choice at the end of high school. Um, I was a bit of a, an outcast at school because I was quite poor. And I, went, I lived in a kind of a, a wealthy area, but we were the poor family because we didn't really have much like holes in our trousers and shoes with our toes poking out and things like that. So um, I, I, I worked hard at school, though. And I, when it came to the end of secondary school, I had a, I'd done quite well. So I had a choice of what I wanted to be. I could be an economist. I could have been a geographer or I could have been anything, really. And I sat with my mum and she said, look, you're... Wonderful with children. I just chose teaching and went to become a teacher, and I realised at that point what a fulfilling and wonderful profession it was. That Mm -hmm. truly, and the old saying, "You never work a day in your life if you find a job that you truly love." Well, you know, I found that almost on day one. So I haven't looked back since then, and, and I've kind of used teaching to allow me to travel the world, and so I've. Lived in Spain, in France, um, over in uh, China, in Asia, in Korea, and I've traveled across the world. I've also then arrived in Australia where I worked in an Islamic school for 10 years, yeah. um, which was wonderful. And I learned how to speak Arabic and I had this real cultural, you know, um, expose to the rest of the world that I hadn't really seen before. And I, I just was that was the most amazing experience. And then, um, you know, an observer from the Department of Education came into my classroom, uh, you know, from Nessa, and the lady as she left said, are you a Montessori teacher? And I said, I'm not. What is Montessori? And she said, uh, you should go and look at one. I think you actually might be a Montessori teacher. So I went to have a look at a school and I was, it was amazing because I realised that I had been kind of an ad hoc Montessori <laughs> teacher without realising. And then I realised there was this whole pedagogy that sang out to me. And so I did a degree in Montessori. I worked in a Montessori school over in Balmain in Sydney for about five years and then came over to Manly to be the principal of this wonderful Montessori school that I'm here now at. And I (laughs) I haven't looked back, but I will say one thing that I forgot to mention in the middle of all of that was this this service giving of service, realizing that mm-hmm. you know I'm probably undiagnosed ADHD. I have too much energy; it's bursting out of me. I don't <laughs> like to waste one second of my time when not doing something productive, which is you know maybe detrimental. However, I find it as a real um, a real benefit, a real positive because. You know when you have a passion and you have a skill and you have a lot of energy and you give it all away you find that the rewards you know for you are just so mind-blowing and so on this journey of discovering montessori i discovered that her whole pedagogy and her whole writing of the curriculum was about giving service it was about okay we're going to teach these children to learn about you know dinosaurs but the big question is what are you going to do with the facts you now know who are you going to help with your skills on dinosaurs And so I thought I had to ask myself the question, what am I going to do with my newfound skill of Montessori education and my love of climbing and mountains led me to the Himalayas. Uh, And now, you know, five years later, we've got um, two of the largest teacher training centers in Nepal, uh, in the north and the south, training thousands of women every year. Um, to go out and be Montessori teachers in Nepal, and we have built over nine or ten schools in, in Nepal, all for charity, nothing for monetary gain. And it's just it just helps me put my head on the pillow at night time and think, oh, I can go to sleep, and I know all these wonderful things are happening out there in the world, and it's all because you you have an intention. And ultimately, what you're trying to do as a school principal, like you said at the beginning of this, you know, you're the school leader. You're the, you know, I've got these 200 children in my school going, oh, you know, I want to, I want to follow in the footsteps of the people who are modeling, you know, before yeah. me, and I want to be one of those people to say, children, hey, you can do this, you know, and hopefully in this podcast, we have enough time to talk about something that's happened recently in my school, which I'm just so amazed about what's happening, and on the youth of my 10-year-olds at school who are working with such intention, and such drive and passion to give back with no uh, you know no rewards for themselves that's that's what i want that's what i that's what my job is that's what, what i hope from the future so uh yeah that's me in a nutshell really and you know let's see how long i can keep it going
0: well <clears throat> that's right and all nuts all nutshells have ways that they do thrive in their life and their work so you've already alluded to this a massive energy that you have and the the you know the basically the smile on your face when you know that you've you've paid forward and given given what you can for others not just yourself but there are ways that you have learnt how to actually thrive in in life and work because it's not always easy is it there would be a way that your um, that you you would find some big challenges you would find um, that there are certain situations that don't sit well with you so if thriving really isn't easy for all of us all the time it may look like it's glamorous that you know someone's got a smile on their face or they're happy demeanour, but it's more internal work that we do around thriving and so I was going to, one of the questions I always ask my guests is you know what's What's something about your work that you absolutely love? Well, you've already shared that with us in, in your opening, but I'm happy for you to, to extend that. But has there been something recently that has totally surprised you, that really gave you an extra boost to jumping out of bed each morning, putting that smile on your face?
1: Yeah, look, I, I, look as I said before, luckily I, I'm very fortunate in the fact that, um, you know, when you come from nothing, when you're living with your grandfather single parent and you know your mum's working so hard to try to make it all work out for you 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 know you don't take things for granted you know I, I you know I, I think everything is extremely being extremely fortunate just to be able to walk around the streets freedom you know having fresh water come out of my tap when I turn it on I I know I know that I know that people don't have that because I've lived with them you know I've lived in rural Nepal on the Indian border with people who you'll have to walk for 45 minutes just to get some water from a well and and they're happy and they enjoy life and they don't want for anything so i i I know i've lived it so i turn the tap on i think thank god i can drink this water coming out the tap and i so i'm very thankful for everything in actual fact and therefore i think it's important to be grounded in that way because you know, like I always say to my teachers and teachers that I meet on the circuit, the greatest education that any of us could ever have is experience. And the wider and broader that experience, the more culturally diverse that is, um, then the broader your spectrum will be as a human being. And therefore what you bring to the classroom is, is, is it's, it's a lot bigger because you can bring that level of perspective to an eight year old who hasn't had a chance yet to go and explore the world. And it's too big for them at this moment. But they'll know, because they're very astute, that when you talk about it, when you say to them, hey, you know, that old statement my grandfather used to say, Oh, people in Africa would never throw that food away, that's what he'd say. <laughs> I thought, Africa, I don't know about Africa. You know, I was there was no connection between me and what he was saying. Because yeah. uh, he'd never been to Africa either. He'd just seen it on the news or something. Whereas mm-hmm. I think when you're a teacher who has experience and you've been places and you've seen things, then when you try to Emulate that to your students and you try to tell them hey, this is really important They see it on your face, you know, they see your hands move and you know this They know you've been there and you've got a picture of you then and they realize you know what I I can I can understand that now So I think what allows you to thrive as a leader or as in any profession is experience Is utilising your time to do as much as you possibly can with it. I mean, I have worked in schools previously where in the school holidays the teachers would come into school uh, for the whole holiday. Now I, now, I was the teacher, so I had no say in, in what other people did. I only had <laughs> my own say. So when the bell rang on the last Friday, I'd be already at the airport going somewhere. You know, and not to sit on a beach and drink cocktails, but to go to the top of a volcano and see lava or to you know, climb a mountain or go to a river or I don't know anything, go to a forest, because that would allow me to bring something back to my classroom and therefore I'd have an impact on the children sitting in front of me. Now I run a school, you know, my philosophy is to my teachers when the bell rings on that last Friday I want you out of here. That doors closed. You get your study for next term uh, before that last bell rings would actually bell, But you know before that, you know, the end of the day on the Friday because I want you to go out there and relax, recoup, rejuvenate. But also I want you to experience something. I want you to go and live your life. Therefore that will I make you a that. richer and more impactful <laughs> teacher later on because what's the point in having a teacher who's just a revolving door who comes in and goes home every day and all it is is the classroom. Slowly but surely, we're going to lose that passion from them. And therefore, you know, I have a teacher at the moment who used to work in restaurants. He used to work in kitchens and and chefs and building restaurants. I've just been in the classroom now uh, to do an observation waiting for this podcast. And and there he is teaching a lesson on crustaceans. And, you know, what has he got in front of him? A full rock lobster that he's caught and they're dissecting it with seven-year-olds. And they're going to cook it and eat it, you know. And so you think of that learning. Every child's gonna go home today, say, mom, today we learned about crustaceans. So, oh, what did you do? Did you read a book? Did you watch a little video? Did you look at some pictures? (laughs) No, actually we dissected a lobster and we ate it. It tasted like this. It felt like that, you know, it smelled like this. When you've got that experience and you enhance that and you let your teachers teach in a way that suits them, you, you have this real richness in your schools. And I think that yeah. for me, for anybody working in any profession, in order to thrive, you need to be able to live a life outside of work.
0: It's so important. And I've been talking to a number of psychologists recently, and they are saying to me that their increase in their clients at the moment are coming from education. And I, uh, and after last year, um, and the effect of the the pandemic and how how things were, uh, um, how they were managed, perhaps personally, and then from systems or from the school sites, I can understand why there are a number of people who are who are seeking some support. Of course. Um, and our, the for me, thriving and well being go together, and it's, it's so important, and for for a leader to be able to say. I want you on the plane. I want you out of here. You have to re. I wrote down what you, you said there. Recoup, relax, and experience. That is that is the best learning for them because, as a teacher, we we facilitate the learning. We are no longer the fountain of knowledge. We should be the fountain of experience for our, for our students. Um, I'm teacher. I'm teacher trained as well. And would you believe? I related very easily to the crustacean because I'm a home economics trained teacher, uh, textiles and uh, home science, which I always felt was totally maligned, was seen as the bottom, we were the bottom dwellers of of the teaching fraternity. And the experiences I had though in being in that area um, were absolutely amazing. Um, To be able to have a uh, opportunity to be on the New South Wales Board of Studies as an independent parent representative and to be able to talk about primary curriculum secondary curriculum registration you name it, it for about 10 years it was absolutely amazing and all because I was one of those girls that was um, able to stand up and, and do the showing facilitate not necessarily be, be able not. to just to spit out the spit out the content. But let's move on to you, it's not...
1: No, well, let, let me just say something on that because it's an interesting point to make. I think that um, while we talk about, uh, you know, in education around the world, I know that at the moment, Australia's you know, we are reforming and rejuvenating our curriculum somewhat, you know, releasing new uh, parts of our syllabuses at the moment for review. Um, it's important that, you know, we talk about finding the child's hook a lot. And we've talked about that for 50 years. You know, I've heard it for 20 years in my time as a teacher. Um it's equally as important to find your teacher's hook, you know, to say, sit down with your staff and say, okay, what, what does everyone do apart from being a teacher? You know, this guy's a chef, this guy over here, he's an investor outside, this lady, she's an athlete. You know, yeah. I, have a, I have a classroom teacher, I have a classroom assistant, and she is a professional kickboxer. You wouldn't know, she's very delicate, comes in very softly, softly, hello, everybody, you know, beautiful day today, she goes out of school, she goes to some gymnasium and she's a professional kickboxer. Um, and you know, once you, once you know what your uh, teachers and teaching assistants do outside of school and you, you observe that, you can utilize it. You can say to them, I know what your passion and skill is out of school. Let's align the curriculum with what the children want, but also what you love. And once you know that, then you have this really I mean you're you're wasting a lot of skills if you don't know that if you give them a prescribed curriculum and say teach this say this kids are going to do this worksheet then they're going to do this test because I want a a high grade at the end of the term you're missing a whole avenue there which is what are my teachers actually doing outside of school which is know not teaching and how can i how can we allow them to utilize that in school to enhance the learning experience for the students in the classroom and i think that's equally as important as in as observing your students is observing your teachers
0: but what, what you've just brought forward is that you have an awareness of the gifts and talents the interests the passions of your staff not just focused on what the mandated curriculum would be uh, what you have to um, have to teach the hours that you have to put towards various subject areas um, etc but you're also you're looking at the the relational skills that you have that you model so that your whole community will be able to, to be able to look and find what it is that is the hook for for the relationships that you build and I think that's the emotional intelligence um, Uh, focus at the moment um for an uncertain future is even more important so for for our students as well as our teachers and for you as a leader and and for your staff to be self-starters to be self-aware and then be aware of others there are some people on staff who people really don't know anything about Mm -hmm. they don't know that they may be uh, the most amazing kickboxer as you said right they they may, may not know that they actually show um or have Shetland ponies um, on a property, you know, somewhere and they at their Shetland ponies. They may not know that they're an avid gardener and they don't get to showcase those. But when you've got someone who gets to know your your people, and this happens in every team, just not in a school, but in other businesses, in other organisations, the team is important. Now, some people don't like having a lot of their life shared. However, there is... There is a bonus to this, and it's all to do with our thriving. What's better than a, a conversation on a Monday morning or a Friday afternoon to say, hey, what are you up to this weekend? Are you going to go and then name what it is you know about that person? It, it shows that, number one, they're important, that they, they're they feeling valued and that um, what they do is, is more holistic than just who they are for the job. And exactly
1: And I think that when you treat them as a person, as you know, we talk about in in our school, educating the whole child, we talk about respecting the whole teacher as well. And, and, you know, that's very important that we do that because, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to know and our students need to know that these are real people. These are, you know, real human beings, because I think Mm -hmm. when you have that mutual respect from the top all the way down. I don't want to use the word down because, you know, we all use first names in my school. I'm Gavin, you know, and just like the children are, you know, John or whatever. We all have the same first name. Um, It's really interesting because the children understand that the implications of their actions upon their teachers. These aren't robots who go in the cupboard at the end of the day and come out tomorrow morning. This is a human being who goes home to their family. They have children, too, you know, and the children have that mutual respect because they understand that you know, everything that they do and the actions that they they carry out will have a consequence. You know, they will have a positive or negative (laughs) consequence on the other human beings around them, including the teacher, including me and including their mom and including their dad and including their friends. So when you have that mutual respect and understanding that we're all human, we don't live in the cupboard, you know, and we come out in the morning. We go home. I mean, it's really interesting. Is that if you book, bump into a child in the supermarket, they'll hide behind their mom or their dad. <laughs> Although you spend the whole day with them, Then you think, why are they hiding? And the reason they're hiding is you're out of context. Yeah. You know, you're not in the classroom anymore at the front, or you're sitting down teaching a lesson. Suddenly, you're buying bananas, and they go, "Oh my God." I can't it, it, believe my teacher eats bananas, just like me. He doesn't <laughs> live in Breaking down that misconception, you know, uh, yeah. just making sure that everyone understands that we're all the same and all equal, and ultimately it works for everyone, I think, so.
0: Gavin, looking back um, on what you've done, um, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. It can be a pain in the in the royal backside, can't it? Yes. But there yeah. would be, there, there possibly are some things that, Um, you may do differently would you would there be anything that you would do differently if you had your time again up to this point
1: yes uh, for sure Um, I mean lots of different things obviously I I never I try not to regret anything because I think that everything is a chance for learning and I promote that to my students too that if I see they're going to make a mistake I let them make that mistake in front of me I mean I mean obviously if they're going to walk into a volcano filled with bubbling lava, I'm not going to allow that to happen, yeah. you know. But it, when they say I'm going to build a volcano out of papier-mâché and it will be ready tomorrow, and I know that papier-mâché takes three and a half days to dry, I let them build it and I let them fail and let them paint it over soggy papier-mâché. It doesn't work, it looks terrible. I <laughs> say, and then we evaluate what happened. And they say, oh, you know, I realized that it takes three days for papier-mâché to dry.
0: Yeah.
1: So the next time they do it, right, so I have made mistakes in the past, and I um, have will always try to continue to make mistakes because if you don't make mistakes, you're not moving forward. But but learning from them too. And I, you know, one thing that I that I do regret in my time is that I was working in a school, and the principal. Um, the principal was, was not, um, how to say this diplomatically. Uh, the principal was very dominating and had ideas that just would dominated the entire staff. And um, I was quite often as the only man at the school at that time, the spokesman for the staff. So everyone would come to me and say, Gavin in the staff meeting, do you think you can um. say this? because we really don't want to do it. So I would then in a staff meeting um, say to the principal, uh, look, he'd come up with an idea. And I would say, look, to be totally honest with you, and I'm not trying to rebut you or embarrass you in front of the team here, but you know, I don't think it's a good idea that we do X because I think that it will cause Y. Um, and suddenly the principal said, does everyone feel the same way? And then everyone's heads would go down. And and the, the it wasn't that they didn't have... The passion is that they this respect for the leader and the school was so much so that they wouldn't dare to challenge it. You know, then mojo. Then because what happens? I thought. I thought to myself, well, if you don't have you have these ideas, you have this concept that you want to rebut. You don't think it's a good idea, but you don't have the voice to speak up. And then when it comes to voicing and putting your hand up and saying, actually, I'm in the same pool as him. I I agree. then if you're not going to go all the way through with it, as, as, as what happened on that occasion, um, then you're never going to see change in, in that sense. I regretted the fact that I didn't Um, I didn't then call that out to the people who had asked me to step up and step forward. But what I learned from that was you're never going to have everybody on board. Not everyone's Mm -hmm. going to be as vocal as you. And if you want to make change, you literally have to go it alone. And the people who want to follow you will end up following you in the end. So, you know, and and when I went to Nepal, you see, I went to Nepal and I started Montessori training centers there. And people said, you can't do that because you, you, you haven't been through this training college or you haven't trained under this person. And, you know, there was a moment where I thought to myself, OK, maybe I maybe I can't do this. Maybe I should stop and let somebody else more qualified do it instead. Then I had a really good, long, hard think. And I thought, you know what? I'm definitely not doing that because who knows if that person is going to come around the corner and, and do this. I'm here right now. This is an opportunity sitting right in front of me. It might go horribly wrong, but it might go horribly right. Mm. So I did it, you know, we opened the first teacher training center in Kathmandu, in Tiger Market and it wasn't perfect, we didn't have all the materials, the curriculum was half written but now, <laughs> now it's packed and you know, women are coming out of that place and changing the world and they're going out to change schools and it's having a huge impact and that moment where of, of hesitancy and me saying I'm not sure, you know, is there someone better for, to do this job than me, yes maybe there, there is but they weren't there at that time and the time was right and so you have to dance you have to take a leap of faith and you know the same happened when I when I decided to become a writer and say I want to write children's books people said you can't just be a writer you can't just write children's books and I you know and I had a moment of hesitancy again and thought maybe I can't maybe I should leave this to Morris Gleitzman he's already a, he's a good writer and then you just do it you just do it and you know it's not egotistical and it's not saying look at me it's just you might as well try everything, you know, um, because some of those things will will come off and, and they will inspire others as well. So you might as well give it a go. Well, it's know? a can-do. It's a can-do yeah.
0: attitude, isn't it? It's a can-do attitude that often, because we worry about what others will think and whether we are perfect in the delivery or the the results that happen, um, we think we're going to be... Uh, we'll lose our reputation. Well, action, actual, actual fact by bringing everybody along your way of, of including the community is that you're not the only one that's leading this. They all lead it as well by being there and being part of it. So I love it. You've listed a number of people that have been significant in your in your life um, that have, have really um, gifted you with a way of looking at the world. And, and what you can contribute to, like your grandfather and your, and your mum doing what she did. That was, that was, a, hard, um, that was a really hard uh, way forward, wasn't it? Being by yourself um, to bring up somebody young and to mould you um, into, and give you the best opportunity that you had. Maria Montessori, you've named as significant. Um, and I dare say there have been other people, uh, whether they're authors, whether they're influencers, whether they're philosophers, is there somebody else that you often will turn to or you are reminded of um, for, for what you're doing, for, for what sort of footprint you're leaving on this earth?
1: Yeah, look, this is two people, and they're, other, they're both opposite ends of the scale. Yes, all those people you mentioned are important. My mum was extremely influential in my life. She's obviously still alive today. She's only, in fact, she had me when she was 17, so she's only 60 at the moment. So that's oh, wow. you know, pretty crazy. But- yeah, uh, she's lovely um, and she, you know, she's a true fighter. So I've got to hand it to her. You know, it hasn't been easy for her, but she's always been there, which is wonderful. But there's two people that really have kind of changed my perspective of the world. And for me, it's all about perspective. One was uh, Bill McKeith, William McKeith, and he was the principal of Presbyterian Ladies College for about 25 years. You know, he's a, a, he's an AOM, um, he's a wonderful man, good dear friend of mine. And we worked together over in Lakembra in the Islamic School for about a year. And mm-hmm. I worked again with him over in Balmain. And you know, he was the one who basically you know, made me believe that, um, that you can be whatever you want to be. You know I had hesitancy around being a principal. Uh, and once he took me to his office, he did an observation in my classroom and he said, I am not trying to flower you and butter you up here, but you are one of the best teachers I have ever witnessed practicing in the room. And I said, and, you know, I felt a bit embarrassed, but I felt extremely complimented. Mm-hmm. And he said, with a talent like that, you have to take it further. You have to do more with it. You know, you should, you can be a school principal. And he uh, kind of, you know, gave me the encouragement to, to, to try to take over school I said, well, why? Isn't it really stressful? You know, isn't it? You can't go to the <laughs> beach after school, you're working 24 hours a day. And you know, his words were very wise and he's a writer, so he's a very good linguist. And he said, the influence you will have when you have a community sitting in front of you is far greater than any yeah. influence you will have when you just have a class. It's wonderful to have a class, but it's even better to have a community. And I thought about that, thinking, well, if you do have a community, you know, before you and you are modelling behaviours uh, that you want to see in the children in front of you, then your influence is is yes huge. And you know, that links back to Maria Montessori, who her whole pedagogy was written around one learning outcome. She ultimately, you know, and going back to your statement before about you know balance of curriculum and whatnot, you know. And, I, I really feel fortunate to live in Australia where the curriculum is written in such a way that it allows you as the teacher or the school leader to take those outcomes and indicators and use them in a way that suits you as long as you meet them. You know, so it doesn't tell you, oh, by the way, you've got to get a crab and you're going to cut it up and you're going to look inside and you're going to yeah. dissect it. Well, it doesn't say that. It says you're going to study you know, um, crustaceans or you're going to study the, you know, the herbivores or omnivores or the cycle of life. And it allows you to then go, okay, there's the outcome outcome here's what the content might look like and that that key word is might might look like it doesn't have to look like that you know it can look like anything as long as i meet the the requirements of the curriculum and along that journey i'm going to use the passions and the skills that sit inside me to allow the children to experience something which will be really really impactful because i will teach it with such passion because that's also my passion too um, and so I feel extremely fortunate about that, but what Maria Montessori, her whole pedagogy was based around one learning outcome, and it was, it sounds really flowery and hairy fairy and whimsical, but it was, it was world peace, and she said everything we do underneath this, so the education, the setting up the environment, the preparing the environment, the working with the early childhood, independence all of this at the very end when they come out of the big machine and it spits out the ultimate child at 18 years of age will be world peace because they will make choices which are they'll have good ethics and good moral code they will understand how impactful their work can be they will have a true uh, understanding of independence uh, and you know ethics so i've tried to follow in those footsteps and therefore, oh. you know, when Bill McKeith told me, when Bill McKeith told me you have a community at your disposal, for one better word, yeah. you know, um, you can then uh, influence the children in that community to be those people that you want them to be. And therefore, they will have a larger influence. And I guess that's where the Montessori Training Centers come in, because every one of those teachers that leaves and goes out to work in the Himalayas also leaves with that. And they leave and go to their class, and their classes are 70 kids. So, you know, that's that whole emphasis of put your head on the pillow and you just quickly do the exponential growth of your work and you realize this is big. It's huge. Yeah, it's big
0: work. It's huge. And
1: I guess we've got to realize that our words and the things that we do and our actions have huge implications. I mean, I posted on LinkedIn last night um, uh, a... uh, a message I got from from a, a random man um, called Sanjay and he said look you know my friend told me about you he trained under you in the Himalayas and now this is happening and now I want to do this and so you you didn't you didn't realize that was ever going to happen um and therefore yes but similarly you asked do I have any and I'm sorry to talk so much but this is you know this is who I am so um you asked if there's people you know a person so Bill McKeith was one but also A man in the Himalayas I met, you know, Anand Devkota. His name is, and he'll be very proud that I mentioned his name on here, because he is the man who's been managing the training centres for me. And uh, Uh you know, living in a living in a country where um, you know the average salary is a dollar a day, he could easily have lost sight of what was important, uh, but he hasn't. He stayed true to his word of working for the good of mankind. You know, he obviously has to be paid for his work but he only takes what he needs, you know, never takes more. And it's for five years that those training centers have been going. And for the five years that we'd be building schools and libraries all over the Himalayas, he's been by my side. He stayed true. I've raised thousands and thousands of dollars and sent them to him. And he could have easily skimmed some off the top. And I would have never known Well, I would have known, but he didn't. You know, he stayed true. And I, uh, you know, he said something extremely profound. And if I may have found thing I've ever heard in my life which was we were on a bus going through the Himalayan mountains and we could have flown we could have taken a flight but we we took a bus he persuaded me to take the bus and the bus was 16 hours or the flight was 12 minutes so for me living in the western <laughs> world I was like take the flight 12 minutes but he said take the bus anyway the bus broke down you know, nine hours into the Himalayan journey, the the wheel fell off, stuck in the mountains, just dust and nothing else. That was it. And I asked the driver, when will the next bus arrive? And he said, don't worry, the next bus is on its way. And I said, thank goodness. And he said, it's coming from where we left. He will be here in 12 hours. And I said, oh, no, you know, we had to sit on the side of a mountain for 12 hours and then wait another, you know, I know I turned to Anand and I said, Anand, you know, why didn't we fly? This is, it's going to be 20 hours to get there. And he said, Gavin, there's something you need to realize. He said, in your culture, you have a lot of money and no time. But in my culture, we have no money. And the only oh, thing we do have is time. And I don't, don't oh, mind bam. spending it. Nobody said, I don't mind spending it, especially with you. So, and I felt like oh. crying and I wrote it down. And I was like, you know, this is true. This is true, what we do forget that we don't have much time here. We're rushing around trying to make money everywhere and pay off the mortgage and buy the fastest car. And for people who don't have it, time is the thing they have. And that's, that's what good. our children that's what our children need. You know, I've seen mums sitting outside the house combing their daughter's hair for 20 minutes, saying, I love you and I'm proud of you. And off you go to school, I'll be here when you get home. And quite often we we don't have that time. We've got to get to work. We've got to get on our Zoom conference meeting. You know, it's very tricky and sometimes we think we have everything but actually we're missing out what we what we We don't don't have is time exactly right and later on it's going to come back to us.
0: Gavin I'm just going to ask you can you spell Anand's um, uh, name for me so we get it right. Um,
1: Yes, A-N-A-N-D. Yep. Uh, Devkota with a K. -K D-E-V-K-O-T-A.
0: Thank you so much, thank you, because I know our listeners will be, be interested. Now I'm going to wind you up because as a principal you have, uh, you also have a calendar and you have some beautiful students who will probably be curious about what's going on or want to show you what they've been learning today or involve you in it. So we're going to let you go, but if you had one piece of advice for leaders around the world, leaders of families, leaders and educators basically. We're all, I believe we're all educators um, in, within our own right um, but leaders, educators what, and, and those who are aspiring to become, you know, teachers or uh, look to leading a team, an organization, If there's one little bit of advice that you give them at the moment based on your reflections over your time and over an experience such as the pandemic in 2020, would there be a gem you'd like to share?
1: It would, yes. I'm not saying I'm the greatest leader because I'm not. You know, I'm just also trying my best. I also have imposter syndrome like everybody else in the world. (laughs) You know, you probably did the same thing when you started your podcast. Oh my God, can I really start a podcast? Is this, you know, something I I can
0: do? Yeah, of course. It's real,
1: it's real. I'm on it, I can just tell you, it's very good. (laughs) Um, I would say this, this would be my gem and I live my life by this, is model the behavior you wish to view in the people around you. Be it the parents, be it the children in your class, be it the, you know, other leaders in your community, if you want to see change around you then you be it you know walk it talk it say it but but ultimately you know our senses are extremely astute we're looking listening modeling copying mimicking all the time especially children
0: behaving you know, yeah
1: what you want to see in those people around you that's what you need to be and and you know i had a once had a class that was really noisy and and i wanted to make it really calm and quiet so Uh, I decided I was just going to whisper all the time from now on. And so I started whispering, hello, everybody. Good morning. And almost immediately, (laughs) everybody started whispering. And we actually couldn't hear each other anymore. We had to say, could you speak up? I can't hear you. But, you know, it's so easy to do. But it it involves you being, you know, introspective and taking a look at yourself, how you're actually being. Because, you know, it's, it's everything. If you're late to school every day as the principal but well, the teachers will say well he's late it doesn't matter if i'm five minutes late or you know you know his office is is a mess it doesn't matter if my classroom's a mess and similarly with the children you know those positive things that you do when you when you're working hard and mod- modeling positivity and trying your best to have an impact positively on other people and <laughs> not looking for any kind of reward back you yeah. find out that the people around you do the same so that would be it, and I don't want to say that's my quote. It's not. It's a. It's from a Maria Montessori book, but it's the one thing that I um, that I live by. Model the behavior you wish to view in those who are, who are around
0: you. Oh, I, I knew you. I knew you would have something to to round off our conversation today, which is just beautiful. Listeners, if you would like to know more about Farmhouse uh, Montessori School here in Australia, or more about uh, Gavin McCormack, um, Gavin, best way to find you
1: um well obviously you can google my school but i also have a blog that i write i've written about a million words on that blog uh, and it's gavin and i can uh you know i've over 20 years, I've gathered so many resources, hundreds of thousands of them, and I basically have spent the last five years just giving them all away the online. So I'm happy if anyone needs any help or any resources, i just flick you everything that I possibly can. I know that especially people watching over in countries where everything is not to hand or accessible, yeah. uh, you know, a, a link to a Google Drive filled with resources is uh, something which is extremely That's valuable. Old
0: it's I got, and i can guarantee listeners that that resource is phenomenal i've been on there and i've flicked uh, one of the um, one of the articles to two of my own children who are teachers and i said you should you should have a look at this it's absolutely bloody brilliant so thank you gavin thank you, <laughs> um, you. listeners if you'd like to know more about what i do carrybenedett.com Global Leaders Thrive is our new global virtual program. So it has a website as well, but you'll find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, all the socials, and it's carry a bag, basically. Carry, C-A-W-R-I-E, Benedict, B-N-E-D-T. Gavin, it's been an absolute pleasure. I feel very privileged that you have given up some of your precious time today. Um, You have been honored by the Australian educational community in the the last couple of years as well. So I'd like to acknowledge that. You have uh, done some amazing work around the world. Um, One of my goals in life was to actually get to um, Nepal. And I still believe that there will be a time when I can do that. Hopefully I'm in a fit physical condition to be able to do it and a mental condition. But I thank you for your time today. I wish you well. And of course, listeners, Gavin has um, always got some fundraising going on for his schools in Nepal. So that might be an area that you'd like to investigate as well. So pop onto his websites. Thanks for your time thank again you today, are. Gavin. Um, every best wish for the rest of the term. And um, I hope you get to explore and renew in the holiday break. Thank Caroline,
1: thank you so much. Thank you to all the listeners. It's been a real pleasure to be here and uh, hopefully see you all soon.
0: Thank you very much. I'm Carrie Benedet, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters.